Great to have you with us. Dankie, goeiemorgen al die mense in die perel. Ja, kan die taal so'n bykie gooi? Ja. Het is een groot voorrecht om hier te wees. En baie dankie aan die ouderlinge wat hier die geleentheid vir my gegin het. Rentmeesterskap. Is daar een werkwoord daarvoor? Wat stewarding in Afrikaans? <laughs> Bestuur, ok, daar is hy. Yes, dit is een groot woord, maar die is die keer waar ek dit gehoor het. Rarig, het uh, is wonderlijk om hier te wees en die groei te sien in die kerk. Die nieuwe mense, die ouwe gezichte. Rarig, ek, ek is baie bemoedig, is dit right? Jy moet sê as my Afrikaans. Uh, want dit is die Afrikaans wat jylle gaan kry, as ek begin preek is dit Engels, ok? Ja, dat is wonderlijk, eh, eh, wat jullie eh, eh, doen met die familie, met die kinders, ja, dit maakt my hart warm. Uh, jullie doen een goeie werk hier. Ik kan sê job, maar het is niet Afrikaanse woord. So ek wil net jullie allemaal bemoedig en aanmoedig. Is dit recht? Bemoedig, aanmoedig. Oké, okay, so dit is baie mooi. <laughs> Gaan aan. Uh, Vanochtend wil ek bykie, uh, bykie van my leef, my, my laat, my, 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 my laat. Okay, I can go in English now. Thank you. I felt just, uh, you know, we can go into worship, and I love the way that the elders lead the meetings where they stop for moments. And I could get on with my preach and my, what I've shared, want to encourage you with. But I felt for a moment we've been singing about just God overcoming, the overcoming God, the lion and the lamb. And I felt it would be lovely just for a minute or two, just as we have a bit of music in the background, to close your eyes and two things to remember. I want you to remember the day you got saved. Remember that day, that moment when the Holy Spirit came and brought that conviction to your heart. And the very work of Jesus happened in your heart. That completed work, the cross, saved in grace because of Jesus. your heart in your own way. Maybe just begin to say thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I will never Never stop saying thank you for all you've done. I will never, never stop saying thank you for saving me. I will remember 
I will remember all you've done for me. All you've done for me. Every little victory, every little victory belongs to you, Jesus. I will never forget, and I will not forget, that you saved me, you saved me, Lord, oh, and I will not forget. All that you've done, all that you've done. Kishyama kaso kushyama. Why did you sing in the spirit? But just, man, I just feel just to revel a little bit in what Jesus did in our lives and the overcoming work He did in my life and your life. Kianana kaso kushyama. Kianana kaso kushyama. Oh, Jesus. So there's a Easter Sunday morning in 1970 on the day that we celebrated Jesus' resurrection. We've sung about this morning that I gave my heart to the Lord. And I remember that day. Almost like yesterday. I don't have a good, vivid memory of many things, but that day I remember. I was 10 years old. Looking at the young people, 10 years old. Man, what a great inheritance we have in our kids. And I'm hoping and trusting that this morning, I'm going to start my timer now, if you don't mind. I want to start. I don't want to. I'm trusting this morning that I want to share something of my heart, something of my journey but in the life of one of the, uh, a character in the Bible. I, I loved, uh, I think you said about this devotion, finding the Lord in our times of devotion. And I want to encourage you in your times of devotion to work through systematically, through a book in the Bible or through a character, uh, uh, a character in the Bible or do something systematic and write down what God is saying to you. So um, I was raised in a, in a Baptist church. One of seven children. One of my one of my sisters passed away, died at birth, um, which was I found out was quite a significant thing for me that I didn't realise years later that we'd never mourned her, my sister. And uh, one of the things uh, I've uh, two sisters. Uh, they live in the United States. I've got a brother who lives in Wales, an older brother, and I'm the second oldest. And then I've got two brothers that live in New Zealand. And the Dalport remnant <laughs> is in South Africa because the Lord didn't say go. He said, but my inheritance is here. One of the things that I've always struggled with 
uh, growing up, and, I, and it's a battle I still have to fight in myself, is the feeling of being average, ordinary. So I grew up in a big family, and there are many of us, and lots of opinions, and no one listens to anyone around the round table, you know that. And um, I don't know why, but the, my whole, a large part of my life growing up, I probably wanted to show that I could accomplish something, and maybe it was to my dad, I'm not quite sure. Um, but I lived, I lived trying to, so I made fifth team rugby. I tried it. I made third team cricket. I was at Gray High School, by the way, in Port Elizabeth. So it was a very performance kind of uh, school. I got a D aggregate from a trick. You see where this is going. Just the feeling of being average. But the Lord grabbed a hold of my heart and said, you're not called to live an ordinary life. You're not called to live an ordinary life. There's something of the supernatural that God wants to do in and through every single one of us, no matter who we are, no matter what we've, what we've tried to accomplish. And I want to speak this morning about someone who probably felt a lot like me. A guy by the name of Elijah. I don't know too much of his background, but it says there, Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to heal its crop. And I wanted to share with you, and I, I'm endeavoring to live in some of these things. Uh, I'd like to share with you just saying what it means to have a significant faith. It's not a big faith, but a, a faith that causes us to live in significance for God. And it's not actually our gifting. It's not actually about having all the, all the, 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 the background and the pedigree and the position in this world. But it's about how we position ourselves before the Lord. And, um, and so I wanted to share with you about Elijah who was human as you and I. Average in many senses of the word but lived a supernatural life that, that broke open a nation. He lived in the apostolic. He lived in the prophetic. He lived the supernatural life in his world and in his, his context. And his context was not very different to ours. You can keep playing if you wish, please. No, if that's all right. Does it disturb you? Because I, I, sometimes I just stop in the middle and I we linger a bit, if that's okay. And so, Elijah, there's four things in his life, four events in his life that I want to just share with you that will bring out, that, that teaches us about the kind of faith that will cause us to live significance in the kingdom. Ordinary people like us, just genius. Ordinary people, I love the life and the DNA that God has used a mob to 
to, mobile, to be mobilized and take the nations for the Lord and take cities and change cultures. Man, what a privilege we have. So I'm going to mention those four very quickly before I go inside, because I might not get to everything. I don't know where we're going to land. So at Kerith Brook, there's a brook called Kerith. Elijah learned that we need to be totally dependent on God for everything for our daily needs. Everything for our daily needs. Then at Mount Carmel, he learned that personal faith is always going to take courage to risk. Then at Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai, he learned that outer victories mean very little if we don't win the inner battles. And then the fourth one is at the Jordan River. We have to pass our inheritance onto others if we're going to live in significance. And so we're going to start right there. Okay. So I, I realize that one of the, uh, the, you know, there's significant things in our lives as well that happens um, that causes us just to kind of wake, wake up again or fire something fresh in us. And when Wilma Ray passed away last year, and then I've always been passionate going for God and doing things for God, but there's something that caught a light, of, uh, caught a fresh in me again. That being 63 years old, or 62, turning 60, oh, wow, something there, okay. Somewhere in that region, but 62. <laughs> 60, yeah, 62, having served Jesus for 52 years, that I'm not settling. God hasn't called me to an ordinary life. Every breath that I've got, I need to be doing everything I can for God's kingdom. So it'll advance, advance. And one of the beautiful things is in the children's ministries, we get a huge opportunity to do that with our kids, man. I'll, I'll touch on things every now and then, uh, just with regard to the kids' ministry, but the faith that I'm speaking to you about is some, something of the faith that I want to instill in our children's ministries that goes into our children's lives and into your lives. So this is for all of us, but it's for our kids and kids' ministry and any ministry, I believe. So... Says now, now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, he was the king, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there'll be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Ahijah, Leave here, turn eastwards and hide in the Kerith ravine, east of the Jordan. You'll drink from the brook, and I've directed ravens to supply you with food there. See, the first lesson we need to grab a hold of is that Jesus is enough. More than enough. So I think even that, that rent, rent, what? That, 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 that stewardship teaching, that the place of faith is understanding that God will meet our every need. God will meet our every need. When we planted the church in Mossel Bay, some of you don't, maybe you don't know a little bit of our history. So I was raised in a Baptist church, had a dynamic encounter with the Holy Spirit 10 years after I got saved. Then we planted the church, which is now called the Storehouse. We're part of the church plant. Didn't actually lead that work at the time. I'm a teacher by profession, so I asked my wife, Kim, sorry, before I go there, Kim says, sorry, she's not well. She would love to have been here, um, coughing her lungs out. So, yeah, anyway, trust she's going to be fine. Value your prayers, by the way. 
for her. She, is, she hasn't done well for a few weeks now. So then, uh, so then we were part of that church plant, and Andrew said he came in there to that church. And we took him, him and Emma under our wing, helped them with their marriage, mentored them, modeled something of the DNA to them. Uh, Brad. Brad. What's his name again? Verena was there. Took him out on our wing and raised him up. And look where Andrew is. Look where Brad is. Uh, and then we planted out from there. A year after uh, Andrew planted in Tableview, Kim and I and the family relocated to Mossel Bay. And we sold up everything. Well, we took our furniture, but we sold up our lives. We got our friendships and the church that we had come to love and had so many friendships. And we realized that the Lord wanted us to go. We thought we were going to get a salary, but we didn't get a salary. I had to learn. God supplies our every need. I'm here today <laughs> because of God's daily, daily supply in our lives. I love this thing. The reason why I could do that, the reason why Elijah could do that, was it says there, the word of the Lord came to me. I want you just to contemplate that. He did not have a Bible. He had a relationship. And he heard the Lord say, and careth, the name, the word careth river means cut off, means separated, and it was right on the eastern border of Israel. It was like far away. You need to cut off from this world. You need to cut things off the world. You need to be separated from this world. You need to be separated from the cares of the world. You need to be, come down right to the bare minimum of what you need. And at that place, I want to teach you that I'll supply your every need daily, day in, day out. So he said, you can drink of the brook, the carrot brook. There's fresh water there to drink of. And he says, I'm going to send ravens. Did you know that ravens were defiled birds in Israel? They weren't allowed to be eaten all. And they brought meat to him. Defiled brings meat to Elijah. So I want to say to you that God is going to come and supply your need in unexpected ways, but beyond your expectation. And when we learn that, I... I still don't know how we got through the first two or three years of our church plant. But here we are. Here we are. When we moved to Mossel Bay, uh, from Mossel Bay to Cape Town um, in 2010, towards the end of 2010, we've been in Mossel Bay for 11 years. The word of the Lord came to us. You obey. The Lord says that. And when we get to this place, we realize that in myself, I don't have nearly enough. I don't have nearly enough. There's, there's, I, I could be the most talented, gifted preacher, but I, I'm not. I said I could be, but that's not enough. It's not enough. It's like what I have, I need to bring to Jesus, like that, that boy that brought the bread to Jesus and multiplied. What I have, I bring. I've just got something of the bread crumbs that will... Feed 20,000 people. 
But when we bring it to Jesus, some of the supernatural comes and, tw- and there are 20,000 miracles that happened that day. Hello? God supplied beyond his capability, that boy's capability. And that's what we come. We come as children. We come as children before the Lord. Amen? In the book of John, I mean, in the book of Revelation, John has this amazing encounter with Jesus. He saw the Jesus when he was exiled onto the island of Patmos. He saw Jesus that he'd never seen before. He'd seen Jesus coming to earth, serving them, ministering, healing the sick, speaking to the religious leaders, telling parables. He saw him go through suffering crucified on the cross and then he saw him resurrected going up to heaven in a resurrected body but he never that wasn't the Jesus that he saw that day the Jesus that he saw that day was like eyes burning like fire and and wool just flowing down and golden it was like the Jesus that had for a moment stepped off his throne and came to have an encounter with him and it says there it says while John was in the spirit. He saw Jesus, beautiful Jesus. And he fell flat on his face in fear because he didn't know what to expect. He has this beautiful, and I just saw it the other day when I said it again. And Jesus put his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. The resurrected Jesus came and put his right hand on John's head and said, I'm more than enough. Don't be afraid. Now write a book. Write. Your life is not ended. You've still got a purpose. This island, you think you're far away from anything. You are writing a letter. You are a letter to the seven churches. The right hand of the Lord. The right hand of the Lord's on you and me. Awesome truth. Let's just close your eyes. Just think about that just for a while. Meditate. The risen Jesus. We sang about the, the Jesus that overcomes all, that, that was raised as the lion and the lamb that rules and reigns forever. The sovereign God who's sovereign over everything who's supreme over everything, yet sufficient in all.
thank you for mercy, Lord. That the word of the Lord came to Elijah. You stepped in. You took the step. You initiated. You put your right hand on John. You come into our lives. You come in. You take the initiative. Only by mercy. It's not through who we are, what we can do, God. But our every need, our every need from day to day is in you. I pray, God, that we would understand that a significant life begins in the secret place. It begins next to a brook where we drink from the water of your spirit. Where we trust you to feed us from the meat of the word in our days to sustain us. That we, and that you're teaching us that each day I need to trust you. Each day I need to believe you what you've said. Maybe right now where you see it, just while we're here, before we move on, one, if there's an area in your life that you're feeling, man, I need to trust God with this in my life. Could be the financial realm, could be a relationship, could be a situation, a circumstance. I was speaking to a couple from America just um, two nights ago who have moved on from I mean, 412 church, they moved there to move from a church where they're part of the family and they moved now to, um, to uh, Josh Jane Upstate, which is a 412 church in South Carolina. And as we're chatting to them, they've had such a hard transition because of family. Um, just the family just can't understand, can't understand uh, why they've left. And when we spoke to him, he said this, sometimes you need to let go and let God. Don't hang on. Don't try and make it right. In your heart before the Lord, in your secret place, you know that the Lord has spoken to you. The word of the Lord has come to you. You need to be obedient and see what the Lord does. About two, um, two months ago, Sorry, I didn't tell you, I've got two granddaughters. The joy and love of my heart. So two months ago, the younger one, so the older one's um, Harper, she's six, and the young one's Matty, she's three. And the younger one, the other day, about two months ago, I was pulling on, I was busy, it was at our house, she's distracted, and she's pulling on my, my pants like this, and yes, yeah, yes, Matty, I'm coming. So, but I was quite distracted and uh, doing stuff around the house, and she kept pulling. So I said, Matty, do you, what do you want? What, what do you want me to do for you? There's something you want, some, a bottle or something. She said, no, Papa, I just want you. <laughs> Easy enough. Jesus, I just want you. When we get to that place, other things begin to fall into place. I just want you. Mount Carmel. To live a significant life, risk is going to be involved. There needs to be courage. 
I think you know the story, so just to maybe to save time, see how we're doing for time. Elijah calls on all the prophets of Baal, 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of, where is it, somewhere? And he says this, Now summon all Israel to join me at Mount Carmel along with 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who are supported by Jezebel. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them How much longer will you waver hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. There's that moment that out of that place of understanding the supply of God and hearing the word of the Lord, there's this courage that was within, that welled up within Elijah. He had to confront the king to confront the prophets, the prophets, the false prophets. He had to confront the people. But the most important thing, he had to confront the reality of, did God really say? Did God really say? And I think that's something of when we built a building in Mossel Bay. So we were building um, about a 400-seater. We had got Got any of you been to Mossel Bay? The building. Okay, go. <laughs> go there and be part. See what the family is doing. See what God's doing there. We are family. Just maybe a com. Maybe some of the coms should go there weekend or long weekend and see what God's doing in part of our family there on this hill. We bought that property, prime property, for fifty-seven thousand rand. And the Lord's, uh, we are building this building for about 300, 400, just a square kind of building, just somewhere we can meet. And the Lord said to us separately through, through our prayer meetings that we prayed and through a prophetic word that came to us from outside the church because someone spoke to Kim not knowing who we were, not being involved, no, that we were involved. She said, you guys involved in the building, the building too small. And then we had a prayer meeting and at that prayer meeting, the Lord said to us, the least of you will be a thousand. So we planned for a thousand seater. Eighty of us. Five million rand project. We didn't have the finances. You go there today and see what the Lord has done. See how he supplies. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. What you see there is, I don't know, but God. Did God say? The enemy came when we, had, when we left in 2010. The building was like, wasn't completed. It was half completed. We were meeting in the building, but not in the main part. And I was standing there one day in a prayer meeting. We had a prayer meeting around a fire. And it was open. There's no roof on the main auditorium. It was this beautiful, clear night. And all the stars were just there. And the Lord said, we're wondering, how is this project going to be finished? What are you doing, Lord? You know? And the Lord said to us that night, look at the stars. Look at the stars. And I felt, Lord, that you promised to Abraham. So we continued building. They had a, a um, gathering about a month ago, or, or what, six weeks ago, I can't remember. 
Eugene von Lockerberg, who's been an elder with us for many, many years, they sent me photographs. 800 people gathered. He says to me, remember the promises. I can tell you, I didn't feel courageous. I felt scared. <laughs> and courage isn't about my feeling and my emotion. Courage is about positioning myself and what the Lord has said. Courage is a choice. The other night, uh, two, about two weeks ago, Harper and Matt had this ballet dancing thing. Now, granddads go to everything that grandkids do. She's three years old, and she's practicing. She'd been practicing for weeks and weeks and weeks. But her moment comes, and she literally, they, they literally have got like a minute kind of dance, not doing much. But that, after all that practice, the moment came when she saw the people and she didn't see anyone she recognized. And she just lost it emotionally. <laughs> or she was like, she could see the tears were just, and she was trying to hold back the tears, and she half did the moves and everything. And she, she didn't stop, but she kept going. And I thought, I thought, I'm the granddad. She's the most courageous girl out there. She didn't feel courageous, but she danced as hard as she could with what she had in her in that moment. And sometimes that's courage, that we need to dance despite the fear, despite. We need a risk. You're not going to risk for the Lord. You're not going to live a significant life. I don't know what, what that risk looks like for you. I'm trusting the Lord even now. We went to Brazil many year, for many years, Kim and I. Went to the nations. We didn't have finances, but today, we, I can honestly say the Lord provided financially for us. All those trips. I, I, looking back, I don't know how. But it took risk. And the beautiful thing is how do we get this place of courage? When Elijah took the sacrifice, he had faced all these people, you know, he is taunting these prophets that are saying, they're cutting themselves and everything. And he said, when, it, when the time the sacrifice came, he called the people and he said, I want you to drench the sacrifice in water. Four buckets, three times, each for the the tribes of Israel, I think. I think that's why it was. But he drenched the sacrificing water. He says the water was just saturated. How saturated are you as a sacrifice in the Word of God? God's Word saturated. And it said, he called upon the name of the Lord, and the fire came. The fire of the Holy Spirit, the fire of God's presence, and consumed that sacrifice. How consumed are you as a sacrifice? Because that is the basis for us living the courageous life, saturated in His Word, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. I knew the moment I was coming from the Baptist background, and I loved God's Word. I loved preparing preachers that I'd never preached. I did that for years and years as a teacher. Prepared preachers that I'll never preach. Some of you need to do that. And when the time came, the Holy Spirit 
was in the army in 1979, not asking for the Holy Spirit to come. Baptist, Holy Spirit, indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But in His mercy and His grace, He poured out His fire upon me and He consumed me in such a way that I knew my life would never be the same, that the way I read the Bible will never be the same. I now look at the Bible and saying, Lord, I don't want to read your word. I want to know you. I want to know you. Because it ends here. And this is the goal of our faith. The people cried. They fell down face, they, they fell face down on the ground. This is verse 39, I think, of chapter 18. And they said, and they cried out, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord, he is God. The goal of your faith and my faith is God. He's God. That we would live lives that as we, are, as we know what the Lord has said to our lives, in our, into our lives, and as we have delighted him to speak to us, that we're drenched in the Word and the Holy Spirit comes, that we're not only able to speak the Word, but we become the Word. You know what Elijah's name means? Elijah's name means Yahweh is my God. He became the message. They saw in his life, not only what happened, but they saw in his life that the Lord, he is God. You? What do people see in your life? Is the Lord really God in every area of your life? Are you on the, are you on the altar? Are you willing to sacrifice your life so that the word can drench you that the Holy Spirit can consume you. Father, I pray even now that we would not settle for anything less than your best for us, God. That our lives, as we place them on the altar and some of the songs, and I think there was a prophetic word or it said that we lay our lives down for you, God. Won't you drench us? with your word won't you saturate us with your presence won't you burn up the sacrifice that we would burn for you God that the word that you placed in us becomes the word we live and people just read our lives and they see that the Lord is God and he's good and he's amazing and he's supernatural come Lord come Lord I pray, God, that you would fire up this people, this congregation in a fresh way. I'm not saying they're out of fire, but in a fresh way, God, that you would invigorate them even more so. That as they would place themselves on the altar, that you, God, would drench them with yourself. You'd pour yourself on their lives, even now, God, that they'd sense your presence, God. That sense you, God, just captivating their hearts, maybe afresh, maybe some of you have felt a bit far away from the Lord and not hearing His voice anymore, not feeling so courageous, haven't attempted something great for the Lord in a long time. Come, Lord. Call us to significance. Not because we want to be significant, but because we want the Lord, we want the world to say the Lord he is God. Yes, the Lord. He is the true God.
going to touch very quickly on the last two, if that's okay. My biggest battle, I said, was with insignificance. So, as you know, after this, he called out the, after this great victory, he called out the rain. The rain comes pouring down. The drought's broken. And Jezebel sends, Jezebel sends a word, I'm going to kill you like he killed the prophets. And the timing was so good for the devil, but so bad for him because he had just given himself. He'd lived this incredible miracle. And it says he runs away. He runs away. He runs away, and he's, he ends up next to a, a, a tree, and he says, I've had enough, Lord. This is it. I'm giving up. Beam me up. And then later on, when he's in the cave on Mount Arab, he says, I'm all alone. I'm all alone. But I love the fact that the Lord's listened to him. The Lord's not, the Lord's not uh, intimidated by our weaknesses, by the way. But we need to win the inner battle. We're going to live in uh, insignificance. Because the Lord said four things. I'm just going to say them very quickly because I don't want to spend on this. Number one, you need rest. Hello? Some of you need rest. said, you need a fresh encounter with God. And he was in the cave. And you know, you need this fresh encounter with the Lord. You need to hear that you still have a purpose. That's what the God told Elijah. You've got a purpose. Go. I'm still sending you. And then he said to him, there's 7,000 others. You're not alone. I want to say that this journey of the significant life is not lived out on your own. It's lived in the company of apostolic, prophetic people of God that just want to see God's purposes established and advanced in their lives. Moses after killing the Egyptian, remember the story, he runs away and he sits at a well. He was disappointed, maybe angry with himself, maybe why did God not come through for me? I don't know what his excuse was, but he sat down at a well. What well are you sitting at? Or could you be sitting at? And then finally, we need, to win those, we need to win those inner battles. This. We need to ask the Lord for us to, we need to rest. We need to have a fresh encounter with the Lord and see that every breath that we still have, God's got a purpose for my life. And that we're not alone. I've realized for myself, the older I've gotten, I've shared this with some of the accountability guys, men that I'm with, for me, for me. I used to be very energized by people around me, but the older I've got, I've got more comfortable with myself. And it's not good. Not, not, no. <laughs> not good. It's good to be content in yourself. But it's not good. The battle of loneliness, I think for every leader is a battle. Right? For me. It was a big battle for me. And, I've, and it still is. And I have to need to fight for my relationships with men that I'm accountable to and I can have a friendship with. The Jordan River, a significant faith produces passionate followers of Jesus. That the significant faith that we're going to have is only going to be so much if we want it to be limited to my generation. 
And that's why, Josh, and kids, for me, is just the passion of my heart and our hearts and trust all of us. How will Josh Jen continue and 412 continue until Jesus returns? I'm 62 now. I'm going to live flat out for Jesus. Catch me if you can. That's my attitude. But maybe I've, in the Lord, with good health, might have 20 years. And then what? And the world needs a healthy church. The world needs a church that will bring healing and wholeness to communities. See, the kingdom business never ends. One of the lessons I learned when I came, when I planted the church, having, uh, sorry, after coming to Josh Jen, having led the church and gone to the nations and done my uh, leadership training and, le- and given vision and everything and moving under Ryan Kingsley in 20, uh, 2010 for about five years, six years under his leadership, the Lord taught me how is the kingdom advanced? One life at a time. One life at a time. And I had to come to this understanding that what is more important, a good preach or a good coffee with another disciple? Good coffee is good. <laughs> The little things, the, the little things that the kingdom advances and the people, the one-on-ones that we have with people. I don't know any of you are, are um, fans of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. So I watched over the last two weekends extended version The Hobbit. Gandalf says this to one of the hobbits, I think. I don't know if it was the Lord of the Rings. He says this. He says this. I found that it is the small everyday deeds of the ordinary folk that keep the darkness at bay. Small acts of kindness and love. We need to love people to become passionate followers of Jesus. I mean, there's in, there is a measure of intentionality, modeling and mentoring. That's what Elijah did. He modeled um, and ministered and modeled a God pushing back the, the darkness life ministry. But if we lose the why, I think we lose a sense of why we actually exist. Love. Love. First love. About two months or a while back, sitting in the life cafe, and I'm going to land with this. Harper, my older, older grandchild. Some of you might have heard this. I don't know if you've heard this little story. Harper, our grandchild, comes to the office, uh, comes to the Life Cafe. And those of you who've been to Sunningdale will re- understand that they uh, will know that they've done new, a new section there and it's got AstroTurf and it's very cool and there's lacatories and there's classrooms there. And on the other side is this playground. You know the one, the wood for the preschoolers and that kind of stuff. So, so I said to her, Harper, we're going to play after lunch. I like playing with my grandkids. They say there are three kinds of grandkids. I mean grandparents. Ones that are a little bit distant and not really connected. Others that are connected but can take so much. And then you get those granddads that 
people to ask, so who's the grandparent? I'm that one. I like to play with my kids, with, that, with my kids' kids. And uh, so, so she's looking at the two areas. So she said, Papa, we're going to go play there on the, on the jungle gym, the wooden one. And then she says, we're going to go play on the very lacquer one on this side. And then she says this, says this to me. Because Papa, next is always more. Next is always more. God's got more for you. The next thing that God wants to do with your life is not ordinary. It's supernatural. Are you willing to be used by him? Gandalf said to Bilbo, Gandalf in, says this to him. Now he's sitting in his, you know, in the Shire. You know the Shire, sitting in that for little rooms and he's sitting all comfortable and he's got all these comforts around him. And Gandalf says to him, before he goes on this epic adventure with the dwarves and everything, okay, hopefully this isn't sacrilege. But he says this to, but Gandalf says this to Bilbo. He says, you've been sitting quietly for too long. See, you, this morning I could have given a good preach. I hope it's good and stirred your faith and got you going. Moses approaches the burning bush. And there's this fire. There's this huge uh, supernatural event happening. And the Bible says he, he approaches the bush. And he says, this is amazing. But amazing never changed his life. He had to take his shoes off. He had to step onto holy ground. He had to pick up his staff. You see, amazing never changed the lives of people. The work of that God, of the, the work of God in their lives changes. And this could be amazing preach, but unless you understand that the great call on our lives to live in this supernatural, extraordinary, supernatural life, is to understand that the call on every single one of our lives is not a good suggestion. It's holy ground. That you and I, the weight of the call to live in the more that God has for us, is not just, come on man, you can do it. It's actually what we need to do. It's the call of God on our lives. And God has placed, first of all, He's given breath in your lungs. Every single one of us, as long as you're breathing breath, you need to be a mirror of what God's doing in your life to the lives of others. And it means doing the little things, little acts of kindness to bring others through. Or it could be preaching, it could be going to nations, whatever it is. Every single one of us, if you've got breath, the Lord says, I want you to pick up the staff. Because Moses never picked up the staff, he would have never parted the Red Sea. The supernatural is going to happen through your life. And I believe, and this is where I'm going to land, the greatest miracle with Elijah, the greatest miracle with all the men of God, with Moses, Paul, whoever, Jesus himself. Well, he is the miracle. The greatest miracle, and for me, that God calls me into personal relationship and encounter with him.
And that's a significant life. Amen. Why did we stand? Why did we stand together? I don't know which part of this message, maybe it's, maybe you said this is a good message or not a good message for me. It's not about the delivery of the message. It's about you knowing the deliverer. The one who delivers is me, but the deliverer is the one that sets free. And not only sets free from our past and our failings and our weaknesses. But he's the one that sets us free to live in the supernatural, extraordinary, significant life. Maybe right where you're at. Maybe you want to raise your hands in response and say, Lord, that's me. I want to live in a greater measure of the significance that you have for me. Perhaps, Lord, I've been, I haven't even tasted seen what it means to be at the Kerith Brook where I know that I know that I know that I know that Lord you're enough and that you'll supply all my needs perhaps it could be that you need to stretch your faith once again like you did when you first saved or maybe you did a few years back or a few months back but that, that passion to live in the miraculous that passion to live in the supernatural, miraculous life that you want to move from the mundane to the miraculous. Make yourself available to the fire of God, even this morning. Be, there, be that sacrifice. Perhaps there's a battle that you're facing right now in your own life. Maybe it is, I'm not quite sure, whatever it is, but there's the, the thoughts and the conversations in your mind maybe. I'm average. I'm not good enough. Can God use me? But I can only. And I say, great. Because that's me. That, that's me. God wants to use me. And I want to run hard for God. I want others to catch my fire, catch what's resonating in my heart. Lord, let our lives be such a reflection of the greatness of who you are. Let us see and, and understand and come to a, a revelation, God, that your hand, your right hand is upon us. That you, Lord, that we'll hear more clearly, clearly the Lord's word came to me. That we'll hear more clearly what you are saying. And God, we are willing to risk more for you. We'll do more for you, for your kingdom, that we'll live in a, in a much wide open space and you call us to live in. There's more, there's more, there's more, God. Help us, Jesus. Don't not live sitting quietly any longer. There's an adventure together to take your name, to take your kingdom, to take your message to live that message and to, to live the goodness 
of a kind God in our world, one life at a time, one life at a time. We love you, Jesus. And we can just worship. I don't know if there's a song, maybe the worship uh, team, just in response, man, just giving our lives afresh to the bigger thing that God has for us. Man, I'm, catch me if you can. Let's go for it together. Amen. Thank you so much.